Good morning and happy Easter to those of you who are celebrating today and happy spring to everyone. My name is Kathleen Herr. My Dharma name is Wan Haju. And this morning I'm going to talk about new life and the art of repair. Here in North Carolina, spring has woken up with exuberance. Cherry trees, daffodils, pear trees, redbud trees, dogwoods and apple trees, and forsythia are all blooming. Violets and dandelions are popping up. If something isn't blooming, it's getting ready to bloom. Tiny baby leaves are just beginning to unfurl. This season of new life is not limited to Mother Nature. Our spring holidays reflect new life as well. Today is Easter, the Christian celebration of Jesus resurrected. Last week, Passover was celebrated to remember the liberation of Jewish slaves from Egypt. Later this month, bright, colorful lanterns will be lit all over Korea to celebrate Buddha's birthday. And on April 28th, we will celebrate Great Enlightenment Day, the anniversary of when our founding teacher Sote-san was enlightened. We are bathing in a soup of birth and new life. Sometimes in early spring, I especially enjoy walking up to a blooming cherry tree so I can spend a few moments looking very closely at one of its flowers. I like how the sun makes the flower glow and how in the middle of its delicate, smooth pink petals, golden anthers poke out in such a friendly way. Usually, looking closely at a cherry blossom is a fleeting happy moment for me. I just enjoy it and move on. But this year, the cherry flower prompted me to think about cause and effect, about the backstory of that blossom and of all the delicate blossoms and spring flowers around us. A few weeks ago, Reverend Wongong read us a quote from Master Sote-san. Though the spring breeze blows impartially without any thought of self, only living trees can receive its energy and grow. Spring breeze is like a conductor calling an orchestra to attention. When dormant plants sense its warmth, their sap is revitalized and their metabolism starts to surge. The DNA in the buds of leaves and flowers unwinds and ignites all kinds of cellular processes. And then, soon, voila! Cherry blossoms and daffodils abound. But this is only half the story. Daffodils and cherry trees and many of our other blooming plants require cold, freezing temperatures to stay healthy. 
If spring never stopped, these trees and plants would die from exhaustion. No winter means no flowers. Some seeds are the same way. If they are not exposed to harsh winds, freezing rain, or fire, they just lie in the ground inert. But what does this say about our practice, or rather, about us and our practice? While winter's transformation into spring might have us consider how challenging circumstances can be the force that catalyzes our awakening. This year, spring's flowers have guided me to contemplate the inseparability of cause and effect, and how the qualities of one become the qualities of both. Some years ago, at a retreat here at the temple, I was asked to pick out a card from a pile of cards that were all facing down. When I picked up my card and turned it over, I saw that a Huadu question was written on it. A person who practices well is not separate from their true nature. What is the practice that is not separate from true nature? Ever since I picked up that card, I have been contemplating how my practice and I coexist, and I have come to appreciate that it and I are not two separate things. My practice and I are fully united, woven together by cause and effect. It and I are a we. Just as there is no separation between a cherry tree and its blossoms or a daffodil bulb and its flower, my practice and I are a single, ongoing process. I am my practice, and my practice is me. I become my practice, and my practice becomes me. Everything I am and every single thing I have ever done or experienced are what show up when I meditate or chant or practice mindfulness or don't. As a result, some parts of myself and my practice are stronger and more intuitive, and other parts are more clunky and anemic. But even though my practice is far from perfect, it still helps me to shed delusion and biased thinking and it helps restore the equanimity of my mind and dissolve the bindings I have placed on my true nature. How does this happen? Each moment of practice creates a new me, who then shows up to practice as a slightly renewed person. This slightly renewed me is able to practice just a little better most of the time, which then shapes who I am and my future practice. This ongoing organic process sculpts all practitioners. We are in a constant state of renewal and reshaping. We are living examples of the unity of cause and effect. And we can see this aspect of ourselves reflected in nature as well. 
It's kind of nice to think about ourselves and our practice as blooming plants. But if instead of feeling like a tree blossom, have you ever felt more like a ceramic cup that was just trampled on by Godzilla? I have. And I must say that when I am living that experience, the cherry tree metaphor just doesn't sing so sweetly. It is one thing to compare ourselves to flowing tree sap or unfurling DNA. But what happens when you look around and see yourself or your life or your hopes crushed into pieces? Where is new life when something so central has so obviously been destroyed? Sometimes in our Dharma study groups, we reflect on the challenges of life being opportunities for practice. This can be compared to wind blowing on the stems of plants, because when plants grow without wind or breeze, their stems become weak and they fall over. So, okay, we all need wind, we all need challenges, but while this is a good analogy for ourselves and our practice generally, it may not feel so useful if we have just been squashed by a Godzilla. In the early years of One Buddhism, Sotesan and the budding One Buddhist community were no strangers to the Godzilla experience. At that time, Many people in Korea were living in great poverty. Daily life was an intense struggle to survive. The conditions of life and the Japanese military forces that were enslaving people and carrying out physical and cultural genocide. Here is some guidance Master Sote-san gave to members of the Wan Buddhist community who were living through that. Your hardship can be compared to putting all kinds of iron into a forge and then continuously beating and pounding it. The impure iron eventually sinks down and is melted away, leaving only the good quality metal, which can then be used to produce tools indispensable to the world. In the midst of your harsh circumstances, you must search for truth and attain the three great powers of cultivation, inquiry, and mindful action. Only then will the impure iron of ordinary beings fall away and the pure gold of Buddhahood be forged. The iron being forged into gold experience may not be what immediately comes to mind when we think about spring. Perhaps it is because the lightness and freshness of flowers and baby leaves have disguised it. But every tree around us has endured freezing temperatures and winter storms. And when we look at the human experience, we can see that before Easter, there was a crucifixion. Before a crossing of the Red Sea, there was enslavement. Before enlightenment, 
there was fruitless searching and austere practices. None of the outcomes from these events were separate from what came before. Each spring was preceded by a winter, and they are united. In nature, it is inevitable that winter ends, but it is also true that the qualities of the winter shape the spring that follows. The same is true for us. How we endure and navigate our winters shape the springs we help create. When Sote-san gave his guidance about how to thrive under harsh circumstances, he talked about using the threefold practice to forge the iron of our delusions into the gold of Buddhahood, of enlightenment and loving compassion. When I think about his message, I begin to wonder about what the unity of I and my practice looks like and how we function. What does it mean to be working to cultivate my spirit, nurture wisdom, and mindfully act when I am, at the same time, a broken piece of pottery smashed by life's circumstances and my choices? There is an art form that helps me think about this, and it gives me hope. It is the art of kintsugi, a traditional Japanese technique that uses gold to repair broken ceramic bowls and dishes. Unlike blooming spring plants, the art of kintsugi is not at all organic. It is an intentional intervention done by human hands, and the lines and places of repair are obvious. When you look at a cup or a bowl repaired using the kintsugi technique, your eyes are drawn to the gold veins and patches holding the pieces together. The gold is bright, shiny, and smooth, and it contrasts with the earthiness of the ceramic clay. But instead of being separate, the gold and clay are a unity. The clay provides structure for the gold to inhabit, and the gold holds the clay together. Gold has amazing qualities. It is a metal that never oxidizes or rusts, a substance that is both strong and malleable, and an element of inherent beauty. It is a symbol of purity and value. These qualities of gold are the qualities of the threefold practice that Sote-san spoke about, the practice of cultivating equanimity, wisdom, and mindfulness is invaluable and is never corrosive. Each aspect is pure and strong and can adapt to any circumstance. The gold nature of the threefold practice makes it ideal for repair. The thing about ceramic pieces repaired through kintsugi is that they are quite beautiful. And it is precisely the need for repair that makes their special beauty possible.
It is the broken and missing pieces that make room for the gold. It is the scars that make each piece unique. It is the act of mending that gives each piece new life. No Godzilla moment, no Kintsugi. So, on this lovely spring day, my hope for us all is that we will embrace the grace that we and our practice, united as one process, continually nurture in each other. But just in case you get stepped on by Godzilla, do not lose hope. The gold kintsugi of your practice is already a part of you, waiting to bring you new life. Thank you. Kamsamnida. Thank you.